Well, hello, I am Matt Williamson. It is Thursday, just got back from final OTA of the week. And I don't much report. <laughs> we had all kinds of technical issues and had to keep moving around and I didn't get to see much practice. So uh, that's about all I can give you in terms of <laughs> ETA, or an OTA report for this week. But we gave you, I gave you two of them. Um, as we often, as I often do, a day or two or three after my article for the week goes up, I like to kind of summarize it, read through it with you guys, and that's what we're going to do today. So we're going to be talking a lot of personnel offense, and I hope you guys know this by now, but if you don't, hang with me. The first number, when I say 11 personnel, first number is running back, second number is tight end. So 11 personnel, one running back, one tight end, therefore three receivers. That is the most prominent personnel usage in the NFL by a wide margin. 12 personnel. What is that, everyone? One back, two tight ends, therefore two receivers. So, you know, that's the second most used uh, personnel group in the NFL. And this is true for the Steelers as well. So, for the year, 67% of their offensive snaps were in 11 personnel, three wide. That's, you know, two-thirds of their snaps for the whole season. Not unusual. They lined up in 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, 22% of their time of the time. So that ate up almost all their snaps. I mean, 67 plus 22 is 89. So that leaves 11% of odds and ends. You know, 4% of those had two running backs, a tight end, and two wide receivers on the field. Watt was that that guy, obviously. Some short yardage stuff, you know. So, uh, Watt, a back, or a tight end. But that was only 4% of the time. No other personnel grouping was used more than 2% of the time last year. Like, I'm sure there was some goal line packages, a four wide here and there. But none of them were even more than 2%. So, okay. But let's take this a little further. Chase Claypool who lined up a very high percentage of the snaps as the Steelers' big slot with Johnson and Pickens on the outside. He was traded to Chicago on November 1st. Obviously, that pick ended up being turning into Joey Porter. Big win for the Steelers. The tr- That trade occurred after week eight, and the Steelers had a bye the following week. So, week eight, Clay pulls a Steeler, trade him on November 1st, then there's a bye. And as I do so often, as any good Steeler analyst should, you break the season down basically pre-buy, post-buy, because especially offensively, it couldn't have been more different. The Claypool trade had something to do with it, but I'm trying to take this a step further in terms of what players they used on offense. So from week one to nine, the Steelers' offense was in 11 personnel, 78% of their snaps. Remember, they were 67 for the year, but in the first half of the season, they were at 78%. And they were in 12 personnel, two tight ends, just 16% of the time. So they were a very heavy three-wide team. During that stretch, the Steelers' offense ranked 28th in EPA, which is expected points added. To me, it's the best barometer of how good you are. 28th. They were only better in that stretch than the Panthers, Texans, Rams, and Colts. Matt Ryan led Colts. Bad. So, Claypool gets traded. Go to a bye. Go back to the drawing board. From week nine until the completion of the regular season, 
The Steelers' offense was in 11 personnel just 59% of their time. Remember, they were 78 in the first half. It went to 59 in the second half. That doesn't sound like a, t- a lot. It's a ton. It's a huge difference. And they bumped up their 12 personnel to 27% of the time just during the second half of the season. So during that stretch, the Steelers' offense was equally as good as it was bad in the first half of the year. They were fifth in EPA in the second half of the season, only behind the Chiefs, Detroit, San Francisco, and the Bengals. That's nice company to be keeping. So as you've probably figured out, Zach Gentry took on a large percentage of Claypool snaps. They got the heavier personnel and it worked. Now, is that the only, is that one little change the only reason the Steelers offense was so incredibly better during the second half of the year than they were the first eight games? Of course not. I I mean, your rookie quarterback got better, got more comfortable. I'm sure the bye did pick it good. They were remarkably, as I've told you over and over, remarkably healthy on this side of the ball. Meanwhile, defenses are losing guys left and right, you know, that you're playing against. And they played easier competition. The teams they played in the second half of the year were easier than the first half. But they weren't cakewalks either. Side note, the teams they're playing next year are a lot like the teams they played in the second half of the year than they did in the first half of the year. But if we overlook this change in personnel, I think that would be crazy. You know, they... They found something that worked, and to me, they poured a foundation in the second half of the year of what this offense can build on. But now I think it's time to take it up another step, and this is where it gets fun. So, quick break, and I'll come come back here for a moment. Now, not to talk down to you, but I think it's important to do this. There are 11 players on the field at once, right? One of those is a quarterback. That leaves 10. Five of them are offensive linemen. That leaves five. More often than not, one of them is a running back, Warren or Najee. I can come up with personal packages with neither out there, but usually that's one. One of them is going to be a back. One of them is going to be a quarterback. I'm not going to talk about the wildcat with Pickett on the sidelines or things like that. So, 11 minus those seven leaves us four variables. Now, Johnson, Pickett, and Fryermuth should see not three of those four every snap, but the bulk of the action. Now, will that remaining spot be Gentry again? You know, sure, that worked fine. But what if it's clear that Darnell Washington is better than Gentry? That in itself helps. I mean, if you just look at it from that angle, like they upgraded on that number two tight end, and maybe it's not till week five or whatever, and you're still doing what you're doing, great. But there's so much more options now. So let me start. I'm going to say this over and over. There's there's only so, many playing, so much playing time. They only let you put 11 on the field at once. There's only... One guy that can catch the ball any given snap. You know, there's only so many receptions to go around. But how they can attack teams now is really exciting. So, 
I think Connor Hayward did a lot of good things as a rookie and deserves an expanded role. I've been impressed with them the three days of OTAs I've watched them. Um, Steelers didn't trade for Allen Robinson to have him sit on the bench. You get Calvin Austin back. I mean, th- this team really really needs explosive plays. He's your most explosive downfield player. Um, Anthony Miller, I've talked about before, capable slot guy. Let's just call him that. Taking things a step further. Before last year, the previous several seasons, the Steelers were right at the top of the league in terms of putting a sixth offensive lineman on the field. Now, I think this is phenomenal that Dan Moore, side note, has looked quite good, by the way. He's been one of my surprises of OTAs. If Dan Moore holds on to his starting job, what a better way to get Broderick Jones' feet wet than get him out there for quite a few six offensive line snaps. Or vice versa. Jones is amazing, but let's get more out there. You know, I mean, all those guys are better blockers than Gentry or Washington or whoever. So they have extra offensive linemen where last year their sixth offensive linemen, seventh offensive linemen were scary. So think of the possibilities there. You know, I'm just talking about the five skill positions you could put out there. And really, it's only four if you only consider that one of them is going to be a running back, Warren or Harris. So, none of these guys, you know, that doesn't mean you want to bench Fryermuth, Johnson, or Pickens, but especially as many go routes as they ask those guys to run. Having having them fresher could be good. You know, maybe Pickens and Johnson percentage of snaps they play in a game drops by 8%, 10%, whatever. But that might make them a little bit more potent. So, I used some examples in the article. Like, it's December day in Pittsburgh. You're playing the lowly Cardinals, week 13. You got a big lead. You could put Najee Harris out there with Pickens, Fryermuth, Washington, and that extra offensive tackle. You'd still have four very capable receivers, but you also have ridiculous beef to just beat up on a team with while you have the lead. Or it's the opposite. You know, you're down heavy. And you put Warren or Najee next to Pickett, no tight ends on the field. And you put Johnson, Pickens, Robinson, and Austin out there, you know. Or Najee's even off the field. A nice thing too, side note, is yes, I'm doing a lot of these equations with a running back on the field. But unlike late career Ben, if you don't, if you have him in empty, Pickett in empty, with two tight ends, three receivers as your five skill guys. That doesn't mean he can't do a quarterback draw or design quarterback run. I mean, you're not going to do it Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields amount, but he's a very capable runner. Um, so this is a one little side note too. Like I, I put this in the article and I use the Bills because they're the most static defense in the league in terms of who they trot out there. And folks, I know the Bills aren't on the on the schedule, but they're not alone with how they play defense. So the Bills live in nickel. Four defensive linemen, two linebackers, five defensive backs. They want to play nickel every snap, whether they're dealing with a goal line package, well, that's a little extreme, a, a big heavy package or five wide. They don't want to rotate. They have good enough linebackers and safeties that can do a lot of stuff. But if... Here's my game is 
take those five skill position players and mix and match them however you want in terms of who you put on the field. And I guarantee, especially a team like the Bills that doesn't want to get out of there, what they could consider their base is going to give them problems. I mean, it's going to be a lot different defending the personnel grouping I just told you of four wide when you were losing or the personnel grouping I mentioned with the Cardinals where you're winning with its Washington Friermuth and extra offensive lineman, Najee. Now, I'm sure some of you are saying, that all sounds great, Matt, but Matt Canada can't handle that. Well, I don't know. I mean, hey, I have my concerns about him too, but he's insane if he doesn't at least try it. And I also think there is some credence Trust me, Chuck Knoll, Vince Lombardi will tell you, be good at a couple things. You know, like there's this old adage about restaurant menus and offensive football. If I go and this guy's got a cheesecake factory, huge menu, probably none of the dishes are great. They're all fine. Where you go to this fine little mom and pop Italian place and they have three dishes on the menu, but they're all awesome. And what I'm saying with that is that's kind of what the Steelers did the second half last year. They played the same dudes. They got good at it. Great. But now, if you don't expand those five, I think that is insane. Because, the, again, your homework assignment is go build your favorite five-man skill position groups. Or four, if you just want to keep it back in the game. Because it is fun. Boy, I'm going to put Hayward with Washington and Pickens or, you know, or throw Austin out there for this one or. So here's the other thing to look for is it doesn't matter what players it'll actually be out there because it'll be preseason, but it'll be very telling if they plan on doing this in the regular season. If you see a couple things like. Again, they're, they're just trying to incorporate the offensive tactics. If you see six offensive linemen out there, some in the three preseason games, great. Step in the right direction. They're doing kind of what I'm suggesting, not they're listening to me. Or how about 13 personnel? One back, three tight ends with Hayward being a move guy and a receiver. I want to see that. I also wouldn't mind seeing four wide at times. You know, now with Robinson and Austin in the mix, you know, why not put four out there? You know, let Kenny pick and choose. So those are the three groupings, no matter what the player specifics are, that I would like to see in the preseason. And trust me, my eyes will be really wide open looking for that stuff at training camp too. And I'll report back, but that won't be for the the world to see like it will be on preseason games. So go read the article. Uh, It's a lot of fun. I think you guys would enjoy doing that too. Building... Boy, I'm going to trot out this personnel grouping for one play or one whole series or just to test the waters to see if they're going to go to their base 4-3 or if they're going to bring in nickel against it. I mean, that's you start accumulating that data. That's why guys script plays at the beginning of, of, of the games, just to, to accumulate data of how the defense will play you from a personnel standpoint. Sears can throw a lot at their opponents now. So, all right, take care. Talk to you later.